Hi there, welcome to Chinwag Reloaded uh, with me, Mike Laverick. It's called Chinwag Reloaded because I was so unimaginative, I couldn't think of a, a newer name for my podcast except to put the old name in and then stick a word at the end. It's better than Chinwag number two or I don't know, the, the, the return or the voyage or something like that. Uh, with me today is a, a rising star of the community. Um, I think I first met this lady when I was at VMworld and I was at somebody's party and it was very noisy, you know what parties can be like. And uh, I was chatting or maybe bellowing down her poor ear all trying to be trying to be heard. But I think that's when we we first met, which she may or may not deny. Plausible deniability is always there. But without without further ado, can I introduce Amy? Amy can you tell people who you are, where you're from, and uh, what it is that you do? Sure. Uh, my name is Amy Manley. I've been in the world of IT for around probably over 12 years. You know, started my way up through help desk and networking, and then landed in the world of virtualization and haven't left since. So I've been, you know, I work for, you know, small to larger companies. I recently made a change, so now I'm at Ulta. Um, based out of Bolingbrook, Illinois, so I'm from the area, Chicagoland area in Illinois, and I started working with automation about a year ago or so, and it's just, I haven't stopped, I haven't been doing it as much as I'd like right now with the new transition, but it's definitely something intriguing and keeping my interest in um, what I geek out about on the weekends, so... Automating the automation is the next task. <laughs> so, I mean, before we segue into the questions, um, one thing I wanted to, should have put on my list before we started recording was um, what triggered the interest in automation? Was it a particular task or project that, that got you going? Um, it was. It, I started at a company where, you know, everything was broken. Once we solidified everything, there was someone there who was actually already familiar with automation. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's known in the community, Nick Collier. So he brought in vCenter Orchestrator from his experience and mentored me in that arena. And then from there, we just started automating little things, you know, Mm. um, DNS entry, grab an IP, create a server name. And then from there, went to more complex, choose the data store with the um, most free space. Deploy VM there, add it to IPAM, you know, stuff like that. So Uh, Okay. Okay. I mean, the reason that I thought picking this topic is looking at your, your blog, two ninjas, one blog.com, there was an awful lot of orchestrator, VMware orchestrator stuff there. So I thought, well, this is, this is going to be a topic that you will be fairly familiar with. And it's always good to pick a topic that somebody knows something about when you could ask questions about. <laughs> kind of helps. Oh, sorry, I don't know anything about that. It doesn't really make it for a very interesting podcast. But also, right. like from my own personal perspective, orchestrator is not something I've really ever done something with. I am... I wouldn't say ashamed <laughs> or embarrassed <laughs> even, but there is a slight kind of, ooh. And I think that's probably uh, when Orchestrator first became a thing and it became baked into the Virtual Center install, I was writing a book on vSphere 4 and you kind of run out of puff with, with books. And it's like, right, Orchestrator. <sighs> right, let's just show how it's set up and get out. <laughs> right. yeah, and, and even setting it up at that point was a little bit of a kind of, you know, because it involves certificates and getting the certificates in. And, and I, don't, I don't even know whether that's any easier. So I guess that's that leads me to my first question, which is VMware Orchestrator has been, I feel, a little bit 
unloved by by the community. Um, I don't know why that is. Um, and I remember talking to somebody once who was saying, you know, I really want to do something in the community and I want to build up my name, become as famous as you, Mike Maverick. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I suggested at the time, look, that look at any of the products in the stable and the ones that aren't receiving any community love and pick those because then you can carve out a little bit of a, a niche for yourself on that. And that helps raise your star a little bit. Which I'm sure, from what you were saying, wasn't really your motivation. It's just going from a, a place to share. But uh, this is becoming a very lengthy question. And I must, <laughs> I must learn how to make my questions short and sweet and not a whole par- paragraph. But why do you think that is? I'm, or am I being wrong? Is the thing actually really loved by people? No, I, I think you're correct. It's, and a few years ago, you know, I hadn't heard of it. I didn't, you know, orchestrator. I installed vCenter and single sign-on. And I never installed it until I was introduced to it. And I think... And that aspect is a little ahead of the curve. I think people were doing it, just you know, not maybe publicly blogging about it. That's true. Um, now that automation seems to be the hot thing, everyone seems to be doing it. VMware and you have um, UCS Director and now EMC Viper. You know, now there's so much automation thrown at you. It's you know, there's overlap. Which one actually does what it says? You know, so um, as far as unloved. I think it just was marketing. I don't think VMware really drove, hey, look what you can do. You know, I had no idea. And I was using VMware since, what, 2.5, you know, GSX, you know. Because originally it was um, June's VSO, that's going back a little bit, and it was a separate product. Right. And then this bundling happened with Virtual Center, which when I saw that, I thought, oh, well, maybe it's this good- thing will, will take off. And right. But you're right, just because... A particular product doesn't have a thousand bloggers talking about it doesn't necessarily mean it's not a product that people don't love or like it's just whether people have the time to to do it at the end of the day right and it i mean again with the lack of marketing and then actually the time that takes to learn i mean there's a learning curve so it's not something you just install and then you're deploying vms and it's payback i guess isn't it data center but you know you got to invest in it and it's hard to find real-world companies that will let you sit down for a few weeks or months even to work on a workflow that they're not going to see the end result till months later. They want to see something now. So I think that's part of it. Mm. And maybe that's why the newer tools are coming out with built-in workflows and, you know, V-Cake or whatever it's called. I, I can't keep up with the You know, I can't. I, <laughs> I work for the company. V-Realize. I, I, <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You get the V realize in and then just go, and then move on. If you can't. Right, you realize something. <laughs> I don't know why it's realized. I think, I think part of the reason for doing that is that they could have picked anything is trying to have those collection of products under a single banner means when people Google for them and search for them, you're going to get a grouping, okay. you know. Um, the same reason that uh, Evil Rail became Evil Rail and not Marvin because. If you Google the word Marvin, you're going to find all manner of stuff which has nothing to do with right. hyperconversion. So, you know, uh, I always bow to the greater gods of, of marketing. You know? Marketing. <laughs> you know? I kind of think at the end of the day, you know, it's just a label. Um, right. doesn't so, matter. So the only confusing thing is when these labels change so often that you, the thing that everybody talks about is like three different different names. So right. you, mentioned, you mentioned automation, and that kind of leads me on to the, the second question, which is... And, I think I know the answer to this, but I, I want to hear your opinion, which is, yep. is there a difference between scripting, automation, and orchestration? And I guess 
automation orchestration. Mm. <laughs> it gets fuzzier around there. Uh, people tend to use these words interchangeably. Right. I'm sure you have an opinion on what, what the right term is should, should be used and whether they can be all lumped together. And does to do orchestration, don't you have to do scripting? Isn't it all part of the same? Well, level? I think yeah. I think there's dependencies on each one. Scripting is that it's scripts, whether it's Python, JavaScript, PowerShell, Power CLI. You know, you have your scripts, you run them. You can call that automation, I guess. But um, automation, I think, is what brings it all together. Brings the scripts to do a um, a final product, and maybe use something with config management like an Ansible or Puppet, you know, afterwards to mm. bring it all together. And then I guess that kind of bleeds into orchestration, where it's the orchestrator of your automation tool with the services. Um, so yeah, I just I think <laughs> I just confused it. <laughs> I guess it's an idea is that you have different... You mentioned Viper and UCS, and you mentioned uh, VRealize Automation Center, or whatever we're calling it now. Those are, You could argue... One argument is that they're all different uh, automation tools. Orchestration mm-hmm. is the process by which you bring them together. I'm thinking like in an orchestra, you have your string section, your your percussion, you've got your... Some other instruments, <laughs> and you're the conductor. You you bring those different things together and orchestrate them together because they could be all playing different things. I, I don't know. I'm, right. I'm I'm stretching here for the metaphor. No, I know. think that, I think that's perfect. It's what brings it all together. It brings in your automation piece, your scripts, your you know configuration manager. Brings it all together into a product for your company or your customer or you know. I mean, so, when I last when I last looked at VMware Orchestrator, it seemed to be very oriented around JavaScript. Yes. And um, being a typical sysadmin, I kind of, you know, I go all the way back to DOS batch files and mm-hmm. that kind of junk. Which bizarrely enough, I'm still using even to this day. <laughs> and then PowerCLI is probably the most recent scripting language I've I've learned. I don't know anything. About Python, I don't know anything about JavaScript. And one of the things I think put me off personally, Orchestrator, was yeah, I could get this service up and running, and maybe I could work out the logic of workflows. But those those workflows need callouts to particular scripts, and I hit JavaScript, and I went, ah, well, I don't know anything about that, so I'm going to run away to the hills, going. <laughs> but I, I understand. Is it possible to, I mean, call your Power CLI scripts through, uh, you know? Uh, orchestrated now you don't have to use javascript as far as i'm aware no i mean a lot of the workflows are based on javascript but you can call out from a powershell host honestly that's why i load orchestrator on a windows host so it could be the powershell host and you call that and launch your powershell commands i've done just basic even um ad commands to join a domain to the active directory Mm -hmm. you know just a little script that you know so you pretty much can do any scripting language you want and just um, have that be the tool to deploy it. So do you need to know a little bit of JavaScript to at least call those things? Yeah, it helps. It definitely... And actually, I think JavaScript's a good platform because it's pretty easy. If you come from a programming background, which I don't, but I know a lot of programmers who have gone in and just started, you know, banging away at workflows and get pretty amazing things automated. So... I think JavaScript, as far as the language of choice, is pretty easy. If you go out on Google, and then there's even the free eloquent JavaScript online, um, you can pretty much find anything that you need to do and paste it in there, and it, it's, it hasn't been bad. So 
And you could always come along to your blog. Right. <laughs> ninjas1blog.com for samples. Right. And actually, that, yeah, that's a co-blog. I, I, I also have uh, virtualchick.com, which is more just on the virtualization space. All right, okay. Other things. But, um, yeah, I've been neglecting two ninjas right now. But. So who's the other ninja? That's what I want to know if there's two ninjas. It's Nick Claire. <laughs> All right, okay. So, I mean, it's interesting that little backstory of how you were introduced to it from Nick. I guess that says you've, you've not had any formal training. But I guess... Right. I guess that's how a lot of these things are now learnt and passed on. You have somebody who eases you into it, takes right. your questions. How important do you think he, he's been as a, a mentor then? Or was he just sort of on the on-ramp and then you, you were off doing your own thing? He was a great mentor. You know, sat down, just, you know, start out with the basic workflow. X is this color. Y is this color. Change X to mean blue you know so you start with simple funny little scripts to just understand the basics because in, in the beginning it's confusing mm. you know in attribute and out attribute and, and it's just when you first look at it it doesn't seem to be user friendly but once you get you know familiar with it play for play with it for a week or so it, it makes sense so okay. he was definitely a good mentor for our whole team at the time and then from there i just ran with it and been trying to use it at my new place and okay. go from there. So here's, here's a, a dangerous question. A, VM, a VMware <laughs> employee to ask a customer or a, a administrator their opinion of something. Because <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm likely to get my feet uh, held to the fire. You know, This is one of the downsides of working for a big company. You're responsible for everything okay. that, that happens, you know, regardless right. of the size. But um, I wanted to ask you uh, how you felt the different products were, how well the different products are being integrated, you know, because we've got things like vCloud Automation Center and we've got this orchestration tool. And we were saying offline how I imagine there's a little bit of an overlap. The way I feel about orchestrator is like it's almost completely free form. It creates a, a, a kind of structure in which to base things around, but it's up to you to provide the content. Whereas something like the Cloud Automation Center, there's an awful lot of stuff that's already been automated. Um, although there's always stuff that you want to sprinkle on top that's specific to, to you. So I, I wanted to know how much work you've done with integrating these different products. Do we need all these different products? Uh, does it bother you? Uh, does it feel <laughs> like all these products are just being stuck together to try and make a whole? Are we getting it right? How do you feel about that space of automation orchestration does it add up what, what's your view don't hold back all right um honestly i don't have too much experience with the i'll call it v cake because i really i haven't kept okay. up we all know what you're talking about <laughs> i like cake <laughs> <laughs> um i've played with it a little bit and then from my experience it was it was really expensive and the driving point was oh you can decom a vm and and at that time, I don't care about de how many times do I power down a VM in my environment? Maybe, you know, 10 times a year, you know. So that wasn't important to me. It wasn't like a lab manager scenario where I need to spin up VMs and then decom them. So you couldn't find a, a, a use case, really, from... Not really, not when knowing VCO. You know, with vCenter Orchestrator, I can put in an annotation and give it an expiration date and then write a workflow on this expiration date power this vm off but i do see why vmware is coming out with these tools i think it brings it to larger enterprises that 
that don't want to either a deal with learning a product or they just want it to work maybe with some tweaking bring in a consultant and i think that's maybe where the value comes in but for people like me where i just want to play with it anyways i'll, I'll just write the scripts so. yeah i mean I, I think you've got an interesting point there because sometimes i look at automation tools and not just from vmware but from other vendors and I think, this is great this is going to save such much so much time but it's taken all the fun out of the job. <laughs> Whereas one of the one of the pleasures in, in working in IT is uh, writing something or building something or creating something of your own that makes a task infinitely quicker, easier, or more reliable. Right. And having somebody stroll up and automate everything you do. And I guess there's always that point. You buy an automation product, but and there may be a certain amount of it that you can use out of the box. But to get the full value, you have to prepare to commit to it a little bit more than just the the base installation. So, but yeah, right. it's interesting. I guess there's that difference between do you burn uh, dollars and money to get to shorten that process, like you said, bring a consultant in, or do mm -hmm. you have the luxury or the skill base in which to do something that's a bit more bespoke? So, I guess from your own your own personal fulfilment, there mm -hmm. may have been more personal fulfilment out of using orchestrator in a way, do you see where I'm getting at? Right. Well, I, you know, and honestly, it still depends on orchestrators to make their calls. So if you have a fundamental understanding of it, I think, you, you know, it makes the um, VK, you know, that much more powerful for you. But I can definitely see where, you know, maybe they don't want to spend the time, you know, there's no in-house talent or there's no time, you're in a rush, but you want to automate. And so this has built-in workflows, but it's not plug and play. You still need to tweak it. Mm. So um, maybe it gets you up and running faster. I don't know. I, this is all, you know. Supposition. So yeah. when, when can we expect the, the book on VCO from, from Amy? Are you writing a book? <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've debated it. I think, I believe Nick and Imad, Eunice, I think, and Mike Preston, I think they're already in the works of one. So. Oh, they are. It's okay. Yeah, they beat me to it. So, <laughs> well, maybe you can uh, get co-author kind of credit. Right, right. Often to do, often write the um, the uh, preface at the beginning. You know, for, you know why right. it's such an important thing. Now, I think it's interesting to have people who are using the product in the real world writing these things, rather yeah. than myself or somebody else. Because I I don't get my hands dirty in the way that I wish um, I I used to in the past, and that as a consequence then for what you can create and produce because without the direct experience you don't have that ready oh well, this happened to me and this was the scenario and this is how I did it whereas you probably have acres of that from the work that you've done with VCO. Well that's the thing you know you see something in a lab or in a demo that's one thing but real world you know when something breaks or configuring it it's it's different so mm. I mean there's actually uh, workflows we found in vCenter Orchestrator that were built in and broken. Really? <laughs> we had to fix, yeah. So. Well, you should charge that back into VMware uh, development, <laughs> I think, you know. So. so it's really, you know, having the more of the end user experience, I think, brings value exact, um, when evaluating a product because, you know, you have to deal with it day to day. You don't just install it and leave it, you know. You have to keep it alive, working in an environment that's probably changing a lot, you know. Sure. So I know currently my network team, they're really big on automation so i want to start working with them and we'll see what we end up using for automation whether it's you know a juniper or, or cisco eci you know stuff like that so 
that, I mean, that, that leads me on to a good closing question, which is like, you know, it's first of Feb. I don't know when this will go out, maybe in a week or two's time. But um, what are your plans for the this year? Have you got ideas about what you want to do, either with VCO or just generally with, with VMware technology? Is there something you've got on your radar? Um, definitely increasing my skills. I still consider myself a newbie, even though maybe in the realm of VCO or not. But um, definitely just want to get further beyond deploying a VM and joining, you know, I want to work with the network team and get, you know, the firewall rules built or the port lit up, you know, um, they seem pretty keen on working with me. So that, you know, that sometimes that's hard to come by. You, you, especially in the enterprise um, environment. It you is, know, it is surprising. I mean, the, the idea that they may allow a VMware person to write a script that touches their precious firewall when you right. said firewall and firewall. <laughs> so I mean, is that is that something that's coming uh, uniquely out of the culture of the place that you're working? That they're receptive in that way. If you went somewhere else, it would be like you're not touching my firewall. Well, yeah, I think you know the bigger you are, the more the bigger the silos. So the storage guy, you're not deploying LUNs, you know, mm. data stores, and you know I'm doing that. And and same with network, you're not going to touch my network, you know. So I think when especially with the buzzword hyper-converged, <laughs> you're kind of um, forced to go down that path, you know. So, I th But I think it's great because, you know, network team's on board. Hopefully we'll get the storage team on board and we, you know, start. Well, it's funny that you say um, hyper-converged is kind of responsible for that because I remember before really hyper-convergence became the buzzword that it is, chatting with Craig Waters who runs the, um, the Asia-Pac uh, podcast and VMUG leader down down under in, in Australia about how converged environments, you know, things like VBlock and FlexPod, the mm. way those environments do bring together server switches and storage. For some companies, they wanted the IT team to own the block, not own a right. component of it. And therefore, some people have chosen to restructure their organizations around that. So I wonder whether that's not something that perhaps hyperconvergence is responsible for, but that I general it, move that that direction. Right. I think, I mean, we're, I last worked, we were siloed off, and then I saw it as I left, it was coming back together. Because you really, you to be efficient and fast, you need to work together and need to know the entire stack. Otherwise, you know, you're waiting for this piece or that piece or waiting, you know. If you're all on the same page and with overlapping skills, I think it just, it's a win for the company. So mm -hmm. it makes sense to me. What, what do you make of those people who... This, is, this was an unscheduled question, but it's making me think of it with what you're saying, <laughs> which is um, people who see orchestration as an automation as a threat to their job security. You're not touching my, my storage or my firewall, not because that's a specialist area and you need somebody who really knows what they're doing, doing that, but because I see that as a threat to my job security. Do you, do you think, are you making people redundant? Are you making them <laughs> no longer needed? You know. I don't think so. I mean, because you could have said that with virtualization, you know, oh, now you can deploy 10 serve. You don't need me to rack and stack. You know, I think automation, orchestration, I think it just, it creates a standard for your environment. Less less stuff is going to break. So now you get to work on better stuff. Maybe the next project, you know, POC something amazing. You know, I think it just gives you more time to deal with cooler stuff instead of the humdrum, you know, okay, I need to 
create 20 servers. You know, now I can do that in a matter of minutes. And then network team has their stuff done. Now we're done with this project. Now on to the next thing. Especially where I'm at, we're growing so fast and we're overloaded with projects mm -hmm. and I don't have time to manually configure things right now. If I do, I, I'm going to be working a lot of overtime and, you know, that's just the way it is. I don't think it's re ever going to replace anybody. Yeah. I think it just makes you work smarter. I, I mean, I've made the same argument, you know, and I've said to people, like, who wants to sit and make LUNs all day? Right. <laughs> who wants to sit and create VLANs all day? And it's then somebody, somebody pulled me up on it and said, but believe it or not, there are some people who do. Well, <laughs> and the they're quite happy doing that all day. And I was like, oh, dear. Well, right. I, I guess there will be always somebody who perhaps just want, just wants to check in, do the same work they did the day before, and then do it again the next day. But... In my experience, most of the people I chat to in our industry, that's the last thing they want to do. They want to do something interesting. They don't want to be doing mundane admin tasks, even if it is in a specialised area. It's not a great use of their time and skill after all, is it? Well, right. You, you get sick of the operations part. You want to engineer. You want to architect. So mm -hmm. get that automated and <laughs> off your plate. Well, here's an idea that if, if you automate and orchestrate stuff, which then makes you free to do a POC and that POC then leads to a new technology being brought into the business which then leads to even greater productivity or more efficiency then you've actually secured your job not threatened it because you've offered more value to the business than simply doing the same mundane task you've always done so rather than seeing it as a, a threat here's a bit of mental gymnastics for you it actually makes your job more secure by automating so. things I mean, who's going to congratulate you on, thank you for manually deploying 10 VMs, you know, versus you deployed an entire environment and we, you know, brought in this product and we've increased, you know, efficiency by a thousand percent, you know. I, yeah, that's going to be recognized if you have the right leadership, so. Well, yeah, I mean, like, being an old old cynic, I'd probably say that none of what we do ever gets recognized. No, no, <laughs> until it breaks. We're unloved. We're unloved. No, it's, it's just, it comes from that kind of perception that, uh, when you're involved in infrastructure rather than delivering a specific application, that infrastructure is taken for granted so much that people don't notice that it's there until it, it breaks. But, um, yeah, one would hope, especially within your own management structure, the people who task us to do a particular job, um, like your your managers and whatnot, they, they know the, the effort and work that's gone in to make that so easy. You know, make it click, click, click. It, they, you know, they know what's involved so yeah hopefully you we'd hope to get some recognition occasionally <laughs> hopefully right the shoulder, I mean, sometimes you, know. you have to give it yourself yeah look yeah. what i did <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well i used to make this joke about infrastructure and i i used to say this is back when i was a microsoft instructor I used to say no users ever come up to me and thank me for the dhcp server that gave them an ip address at the beginning well, when <laughs> they only ever come to me when they can't get to the internet and they can't pick up their email because something's gone wrong with the dhcp server maybe it's run out of ip addresses and i need to fix it so it's just that kind of thing that people I mean I do it all the time uh, I think increasingly actually even quite high level technology not infrastructure I've become so dependent of it when it doesn't work it's a, a shock that that's something well, doesn't it's like work. Do you think your utility companies went for delivering gas and electricity? It's kind of the same thing. Yeah. You expect your lights to be on. Mm. So when they're not on, you call. So yeah. same with infrastructure. You expect mm. your server to be up or you expect to get an IP. And if you don't. So you take it for granted. <laughs> take it for granted. 
Well, Amy, it's been a delight and a, a pleasure to chat to you for the, the first time. First time on the Chinwag. It's always good to have new faces. And uh, that's something I want to do more and more with the show, get people on that haven't been on before. Because, you know, some of the old faces are getting decidedly old. I, of course, have had excessive amounts of, of uh, plastic surgery and Botox to uh, remain this uh, uh, delightful and lovely. But, um, yeah, we, do, we definitely need new blood in, and, and it's nice to see people like yourself coming into uh, into the into the fore. And it's great to see somebody championing uh, a product which, you know, I think more people should be using. Definitely. Okay. We'll see. Well, thank you very much for being on the show. No problem. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. <laughs>